Hello, and welcome to another episode of Talkin' BS. My name is Van Santos, and as always, I'm joined by my old pal, Corey Bell. This week, we started off with a recap of my wedding weekend. We rounded out a discussion on the QAnon documentary, and then we unpacked another documentary that caught our eye on Netflix called Seaspiracy. We hope you enjoyed this three-part episode of Talkin' BS. Well, all right. Last week, we got to talk a little relationship. We got to talk a little pre-wedding while the wedding's over. So, For the record, I had fun with that last one. It was a, it was a lot of fun. It was. It was a good one. I, think, I thought that was a good kind of lead-in to, uh, to wedding weekend. Now, we did talk to a few people uh, and got a couple ideas for this week. Uh, a lot of people wanted to, wanted to ask some questions, especially for those people who couldn't be there, right? I mean, it's a trying time. Easter weekend was kind of going on, pandemic still kind of wrapping up. So, you know, a lot of people couldn't be there. I couldn't be there, right? I mean, there was a lot of people that couldn't be there that are near and dear to you. But there was apparently plenty of things that did go down. So You and I have had the luxury of talking, and you've told me a good deal of what's already happened. Right. Uh, but we have got a few questions in from, from the listeners who, uh, who want to hear a little bit about some stuff. So, funny story. Uh... Yeah, you made that sound really, really nice, like a really nice version of whatever my excuse was going to be for why these people couldn't come. Uh, I just didn't want them there. You know what I'm saying? So, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, we, we did have very limited numbers, and uh, it's just tough. It's just tough. Anybody who's gone through it totally knows the deal where you want everybody, but you can't. It's just impossible. You know, we weren't going to have a 500 person wedding. That's not, I don't even, that wasn't even in the ballpark. So, uh, unfortunately, okay, you know, but to that point, uh-oh. to that point, I want to, I want you to tell one story that you told me, and it has nothing to do with any of these questions, but one story that you told me that I thought was hysterical <laughs> the rehearsal, rehearsal dinner night, and the minimum amount reached that was required. To, to kind of rent out this venue. Yeah. Um, so Friday night was a problem. It was a real, <laughs> as, as my dad would say, it, it was a problem. Um, so I go to the rehearsal, go to the space, walk around, do that whole thing. We're good to go. We go downtown to this uh, taco restaurant. For those of you in town, you know, Poncho and Lefties. It's like one of my favorite taco places. It's right near where we're all staying. And, uh, if you don't traditionally, the groom's family pays for the rehearsal dinner. That's just typically how it goes. Some, you know, obviously non-traditional, whatever, just that's, that's how it was going to go. So my dad, um, you know, rolls up and we're just kind of, you know, we had some pre-made tacos, we had some pre-made dip and everything standing room only. We were just going to kind of meet and greet and like send people on their way. Um, so over, over the course of like three or four hours, I think we had, 40 people probably, but not like all at once. It was like 20 in visit. Some people leave, some people come in, some people leave, some people come in. So it was kind of in and out, right? Well, uh, the minimum was $2,500 to be spent at the dinner just for the room, for the night, for the five hour, four hours or whatever. 
And we're supposed to be out by now. At a taco place. At a taco place, which keep in mind. It's a lot of tacos. These aren't like $40 tacos. You know what I'm saying? It's like $6 tacos. Now they're delicious. Don't get me wrong. They're, they're fantastic. Um, but anyway, so we get to about 8 o'clock, 7.30. And we go to check in with the bartender. And we're like, hey, where, where's our, uh, what's our tab looking like? She's like, uh, $1,400. We're like, uh-oh. Oh, no. <laughs> so <clears throat> for those of you that didn't understand what I just said, that meant we had an hour and a half or an hour to spend $1,100. Um, again, you get your money's worth. In the first three hours, we only spent 1400 So if you're doing the math, it's like, okay, well, what are we going to get? Everybody's already eaten. You can only buy so many like chips and queso. You know what I'm saying? Like nobody's done eating. <clears throat> so my dad goes straight to the, you know, just responds to her and says, what's your most expensive uh, tequila? And uh, she tells him whatever it is. And uh, he said, I'll, I'll take uh, 16 shots. How many we got? One, two, oh, we'll take 16 shots of that. I was like, oh, God. Oh, no. Yeah. So <clears throat> everybody in the, that's in the room at the time does a shot of tequila. Cheers. Yay. Excitement. Yay. We did speeches. Like, people are excited. Van and Kimberly, it's so nice. It's like a nice thing. And then we turn around. My dad turns around. He goes, what are we at now? And she says, like, $850. And it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> So over the next <laughs> hour and a half, I, I think it was probably five or six rounds of tequila. And we got the bill to like twenty four ninety two. We literally got it to like right on it. Perfect. Uh, unnecessary. Didn't have to happen. Did not have to happen at all. Um, but it, uh, it made for a good story and for a rough morning the next day. That is awesome. It makes me so happy. Makes me very sad that I missed that, but it sounds like incredibly similar to our rehearsal, right? Where it, I don't know you, about the, the cash stuff. Did it kind do, of felt it was a Mexican you place. You did do Mexican as well with tacos. That's very true. And we had the margarita bar, right? And then yep. your dad kept sneaking. He kept sneaking off to the bar, coming back with shots of Patron. Yes, to put in the margaritas. Of just, it, which it was yeah. all, I mean, whatever. It was, yeah. Right. Got, that night got out of hand. Oh, good time. So, uh, time. yeah, that, that, that's kind of how we kicked it off. And then we just went back to the hotel, <laughs> and we were kind of planning on just hanging out around the room. And that really just really fast just went, yeah, we're just, we're donezo. We're just going to go to bed. Uh, made, for, made for a good first day for the weekend. Well, I know that you had been talking to a few of the, a few of the guys who uh, could and couldn't be there, right? And so uh, one of them wanted to, uh, to kind of put out there that, that, we had some questions. So I yeah, guess. we we crowdsourced we crowdsourced the the podcast last week, and so same kind of people. I reached out and I was like, you know, we're gonna do a little recap. And I and there were some stories that got shared uh, prior to this, and everybody was like, oh, I need to know what happened there. You know what I'm saying? So we're uh, we're gonna go through some of those, but uh, I think we got some questions so we, first. So go ahead. We do have some questions. We do have some questions, uh, and we did send this out. We do have an email now, right? So if you want to, uh, to email the pod, it's talkingbspodcast at gmail, right? So feel free. Uh, all the interaction, we'd love to, to read any comments, uh, to, to argue with you or you argue with us, whatever it may be. We'll have some fun with it. Uh, but we did get some questions and, uh, through, the, through the email that way. So one of the guys we got some emails and questions in from, Mason Dobbs. Shout out, Mason. Uh, I don't know if any of these actually have anything to do with the wedding. So we're going to run through the video. Let's just do, just uh, for the let's simple just fact. do a speed round and just see what happens. Yeah. 
because I, I don't even understand what the first one means. Nice. It could be a great story. Oh, God. How bad did Eli get beat up? Oh, uh, okay. That's a great story. Is this a wedding story? Did this great, actually happen? That's a great start. Uh, okay, so yeah, we're, we're, this is post-wedding. Uh, everybody went downtown afterwards, and um, Kimberly and I did not do that thing where people just run away and hide and hide from the wedding party, which, hey, is okay, and we totally thought <laughs> about doing it, but we didn't. Uh, we just were... Anyways, we, we wanted to, to go out with everybody, so we go out. So a, a, a random, Tell me what happened. a person that one person in our party knows, I'm saving uh, identities for this. One person in our party invited another person from that was not invited to the wedding or anything like that. I don't know this person at all, but the person in our party that was with us invited this other stranger and they had shown up the night before as well, kind of at the hotel. And then they show up post wedding. They didn't come. So it wasn't like they were crashing anything. They just came downtown whenever we were downtown because they're, they're in Nashville. So this guy, uh, you know, things happen downtown. I don't know. There's alcohol involved. Do we know what really happened? I'm assuming we do, but at the same time, I'm not really sure. Uh, it was alleged that this individual, uh, grabbed, pinched, I don't know, grazed, uh, somewhere in between there, Eli's girlfriend's uh, butt. So I don't, I don't know how else to say that. Oh. Um, and I would take issue to that, especially if Facts. it was intended, you know, accident, Facts. turnaround, bump, whatever, I don't know. So anyways, uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was, it, the way the story was told was that it was pretty intentional. So um, he's upset. Granted, you know, totally fair. Um, and he's looking around at me and Kimberly, and he's like, the only reason why I'm not losing it on this guy right now is because of you guys. Like, I'm not trying to make a scene here for you guys. So this other individual, this other guy, is told basically at one point, like, hey, man, it, you, you should probably just leave. Like, it's getting testy things are you know it's still like chirping and they're like you know you should probably just leave so you know he said you know make me that whole thing and so it's like well you're not making things any better at this point Macho. he finally goes to leave and i think he chirps at eli a little bit and you know in eli's defense he was pushed to the brink and uh so i don't know how it happened but apparently this guy's drinking it up all over his face and all over his jacket and everything uh his own drink that he was carrying in his hand you know, I don't know. I don't know. Um, so what we think is over, you know, both people get restrained. What we think is over is over. And then I guess an hour or so later, everybody heads back to the hotel and the two parties, <laughs> Eli and this other guy, just end up happening to come back to the front of the hotel at the exact same time. <laughs> Because of course they did. And I think that the other kid chirped at Eli again. You know, I, you know, I don't know what was... I wasn't there for this part, so I have no idea. But I think it was something to the effect of like, what's up, bud? Or like, you know, just just something like, didn't really say anything, but was just like, hey, you know, I'm here. You know, if you if you want some, you can come over here. So I think I think he chirped at him a little bit. And then uh, Eli was away from us. And, and you know, thank you for that, dude. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, I was told that he got he got about four swings in. I don't know. I, I, I heard contact was made once. I don't think anybody really got hurt. 
Uh, Eli definitely did not get his ass kicked. So that didn't happen. And that was witnesses Go, said that. So a lot of people in our text thread jumped on that as like a funny thing, but uh, that absolutely didn't happen. Both people were restrained. And so it was, it was a pretty non-issue issue, but uh, yeah, it was, uh, oh, yeah, that happened. Again, I like it. this is post-wedding, post-all important stuff. Totally not, like it wasn't an issue for as far as we were concerned. But yeah, there it is. Good question, Mason. I, like I like it. Now, all right, I definitely know the rest of these have nothing to do with the wedding. All right, speed round um, then. That was not speed round. Will the Titans ever win a Super Bowl? Gosh, I hope so. <laughs> I, freaking, I freaking hope that, so. That sigh, man. I mean, the sigh says it all. I hope so. It's just the so hard. It it's just so hard. I'm pretty sure he's a Patriots fan, so you've had your I'm time. I'm sure that's probably why you've that dig your, was in you, there. You've had your time. Uh, it's over now, bro. All right, uh, when, is, when is Taylor coming on? The boys. When is Taylor Lewan coming on the podcast? Yeah. Is that the question? That's the question. Ooh, if I had to guess realistically, probably never. It, no, in my no. dreams tomorrow, you know? So I think it's we're more more likely to have Will Compton on here first. But Taylor Lewan, he's, he's the diva, man. I feel like he's just he's too big for us physically and his alignment is too big yeah right. very true uh best game you've personally watched Ooh, this is a great one uh yeah well okay i know it sounds weird I, it was actually two of them and one of them we lost which was which was bizarre but both i went to both of the chiefs games two years ago so i saw the uh the victory in the stadium when we were down by 10 with like two and a half minutes left and the the folks that we the the couple that we came with were like, hey, do you guys want to go ahead and leave? And I was, I think, I think I told this earlier, at some point, maybe not. Um, but it was the it was the Chiefs game in the Titan Stadium two years ago, where we came back and uh, Tannehill had taken over, and I think he threw one down the middle to Adam Humphreys, and he scored to go within three. Then we go up. I think Tannehill ran it in himself. But anyways, that that one was by far the craziest emotional swing from like, we're done, we're going to lose, to, oh, my God, we just beat the Chiefs. That one was amazing. And then atmosphere-wise, I still say the AFC, the AFC Championship game in Kansas City was amazing. Uh, shout out Josh Schneider for going with, with me to that. Uh, that was just one of the best trips ever. Last minute, just got in the car. It was seven degrees on game day. I, honestly, the coldest I've ever been in my life, ever. Um, but for me, those were the two most memorable. Obviously, the win was better, but... AFC Championship game, the atmosphere was just insane. Chiefs, Chiefs fans are insane. Oh, yeah. Good. Next. So now, now I'm going to take you from ecstasy to just pure sorrow. Okay. What is okay. the saddest moment in your sports memory? Oh, wait. Per, like, I guess this is wide open, I guess. Just, I, that's, that's what the question is. Oh, saddest moment man. In your sports memory. You know, however you want to interpret yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, straight up, my senior year of high school, when we lost the state championship game at the very end, Short and sweet of it was we had won my sophomore and junior year, and then we returned one lone senior being this guy, at least as far as the starting goes for soccer. So uh, we weren't even supposed to get to that. We weren't even supposed to like, I mean, had we not made the playoffs, that would have made sense. But we uh, we pushed and we got all the way to the finals and we lost three to one. Ugh, that was some heartbreak. I still have that photo afterwards, the runner up. So yeah, I mean, as far as like full on sadness, just knowing like that was over for me in high school and, and just getting so close and coming up short, that one hit me right in the gut. 
next. I can see that. I can see that. No, man, that's it for Mason. Shout out Mason. Great those, questions, Those are pretty good. You appreciate said they were it. random, and they were, but I, I well, appreciate yeah, those. Yeah, only one had to do with the wedding. I thought that's, these were going to be more wedding-esque yeah, questions. You're right. You're right. That's fair. I will say, is it Zach or Zachary? Which which is preferred? Is this Huff? Huff. Yeah, Zach. Is Huff? Is Huff preferred? Zach. <laughs> uh, I mean, actually, Zach. yeah, Huff is, he goes by that as well. <laughs> All right, well. Zach Huff, ZH in the house. All right. Now, he actually has some, some, some wedding questions here that he wants to know about. Well, he was uh, in attendance, just, so well, curious. Go ahead. He, yeah, they're, they're pretty good. Uh, chime. First chime. There you go. Perfect. Perfect, Tom. That seems All like... Right. Is that chime usually that active? That seems like it's going. Well, I mean, it's 8 o'clock here. That's so fair. you get eight eight gongs. Gotcha. Uh, <laughs> can you describe the feeling of seeing Kimberly walking to the altar, seeing all of your closest friends, almost all of your closest friends, and family there for you? Okay, so a couple, two different emotions there. One, I was like all good throughout the day, and then people started rolling up, and we had so many people from out of town that it was like, it hit me at once, like 20 minutes before the ceremony was going to start. I was like, oh, no. I'm like welling up and I haven't even talked to anybody yet. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, holy cow. Um, we had people in from DC, from Birmingham, from Atlanta, uh, Colorado Springs, uh, New York City. So, I mean, it was like so many people showed up that, you know, I didn't, not that I didn't think they would, but all of them to come at once was, was pretty cool. Um, that is what she said actually as well <laughs> just as i said that out loud um so that that one was really big and then i did a small little toast after dinner just a little like thank you and that one was interesting because i just was looking around like oh my gosh like it's just yeah it was a very full feeling and i told people that i was just like my heart is happy that whole thing uh seeing kimberly for the first time was amazing because it's like we are already married so the the specialness of like you know, the formality of it wasn't really there. Well, I'm sorry. Let's back up. The formality was there for this, but the emotions of like, this is all new wasn't. But, but when I saw her in the dress, it was, it was like, whoa, you know? So, uh, yes, the, the, the first, when I saw her come around the corner, that was pretty awesome. Um, she looked amazing. Absolutely amazing. Shout out to her for, yeah, just mm, looking great. <laughs> Yoga. Um, and then it was funny when she got up there, I will go ahead and tell this story as well. This may be, I don't know if this is another question or not, but when she gets up there, Cody actually officiated the wedding. It was super funny. We talk, I think we talked about it last, last pod, but I was a little nervous. Could, could have gone either way, but he absolutely crushed it. And he had us, he had me cr- like tearing up again. He was just saying all these super nice things uh, about Wait, her. Wait, Mr. S? Mr. S, Mr. S what? officiated and he crushed it. My, we had my That's mom, awesome. we had my mom, uh, was editing it, I guess, or just, uh, supervising the process. So <laughs> she, she, so she signed off, which was great. Um, but yes, uh, so I got emotional like three times. One, when I saw her, that was probably the most Two was when I looked out and I saw everybody there and I was like, Oh gosh, I'm kind of nervous actually now. And then three, when Cody started just saying all these nice things, I'm like, dude, okay, just keep, 
he had like one nice thing and I was like, that's nice. Two nice things. I was like, okay, come on, dude. Three nice things. And I'm like, all right, man, you're going to kill me over here. Let's go. Like, come on, get through this. <laughs> uh, so that yeah. is the, uh, the, the last question that, that Huff had was, did you expect Cody to kill it up there? Like he did. I, I mean, I deep down, I did. I didn't know what to expect as far as like, is he going to break out in song? I didn't know if he was going to get like really weird and creative on it. Um, and he had some good references, uh, that he closed. The last thing he said was from it's a wonderful life, which is my, one of my favorite movies of all time. Definitely one of my favorite Christmas movies, but he goes, uh, shut up and kiss her already. It's like what the old, it's, it's what the neighbor says when they're out underneath the moon and stuff. But, uh, yeah, he, uh, yeah, he crushed it. Everybody, he was bachelor number one there for sure. Uh, yeah. As soon as he did that, everybody awesome. was like, Oh my gosh, he killed it. All right, go ahead. Shout Next. out Mr. S. Very nice. Favorite part of the food? Ooh, so, uh, okay. I know where he's going, and actually I agree with him. It was the beer cheese mac and cheese. It was phenomenal. We texted back and forth about this after it was over because he was like, yo, you got that recipe? (laughs) I was like, like, no, why would I have that recipe? But you can try. I mean, you should call them and see if they, you know. Um, it was really, really good. I had a little, I was a little disappointed in the food, to be honest. Although that wasn't like the biggest part of the day, but it was just different from our tasting. It was like, it's really easy to cook for two, right? You know, and then when you're cooking for a hundred, it's, you know, chicken was a little dry. It wasn't the same style chicken that they served us at the tasting. So I was kind of like, that's not even the same thing. It's false advertising. Uh, but the (laughs) the pork was pretty good. Uh, potatoes were good. Mac and cheese was good. And uh, I've been eating. Des- I didn't get any dessert the night of the wedding because you're just running around talking. Um, so we've been eating dessert at the house uh, for the last three days, which has been fun. All right, next. Oh, hey, we, now you can put on the weight. So now it's yeah, fun. Yeah, you're right. You're well, right. Now it's fun. Now it's fun. All right, I'm going to put some respect on this gentleman's name because this is probably the biggest surprise of the entire wedding. Oh, yeah. How incredible was it to see Mr. Foster pull up to congratulate you? Yeah, that one, uh, that was a massive surprise. Uh, he's a massive person as well. Um, just a very large human. I feel tall. No, not even close. <laughs> um, yeah. So shout out Ballin Ali, Ali is, as he is known now. It was just out totally out of left field. Had no idea it was coming. Uh, Ballin did hit me up like earlier in the wedding and was like, yo, I, I, you know, DM'd Ramon or texted him or whatever. And you know, he said he'd give you a shout out on Monday morning, like congratulations. And I'm like, Oh, that's, that's super cool or whatever. But then, you know, you get pulled in a million directions. Wasn't even thinking about it. I think I went outside to, to talk to someone at one point and I see this like super nice car roll up and I'm like, huh, who's that? And I see Ballin go over there and I'm like, he is up to something. He is up to something. He is being, Oh, what's he doing? And sure enough, Ramon Foster hops out. Uh, for those of you that don't know, 11-year Steeler, you know, protecting Big Ben out there. No big deal. Just no big deal. Whatever. Uh, and he's a you know local radio guy. So, yes, that was really cool. He showed up, you know, towards the end, and we just got to talk for a little bit, probably like 15 minutes or so. Um, but, yes, massive surprise, super nice. I kept, like, you know – it was just, it was just cool. And he kept saying over and over again, he's like, dude, I'm just, uh, I'm just a regular guy. Like, no, no, it's no big deal. Like, I'm just, you know, just uh, happy for you and all this stuff. It's just super nice. So yeah, that was the cherry on top at the very end of the night, uh, prior to, uh, the fight, you know what I'm saying? So, huh? 
Well, there you go. There you go. You can't you can't have a wedding without some some drama. A little like bit, a little bit, a little fun. bit. Yeah, it makes it more fun. I got the frosting and then the drama. That's what you that's need. It. That's, that's it. That's what you need to to round out a wedding. Well, that rounds out our questions, right? So I uh, definitely want to give a uh, a good shout out to Huff and Mason. Uh, appreciate the uh, the interaction there. And if anybody else wants to reach out to us between weeks for any subject, any anything, you just want to hear our thoughts, opinions, we will be more than happy to oblige. Uh, that email again is talkingbspodcast at gmail.com. It was a uh, it was a great weekend. The weather, you know. Uh, cooperated and uh, it was great venue, food, drinks, the whole deal. It was awesome. Um, let's. Oh, and thank you guys, Huff and uh, Mason, for sending those over. You know, I am gonna do a, an opposite of a shout out. I think it's a call out. I don't know. I don't know what we're gonna call it. What's the negative of a shout out? Call out. Just calling somebody out. No, calling you out, bro. This started yeah. with either Antonio or Matt Snyder or Josh Murphy. They said they wanted to do this. Uh, they said they want to do like a Zoom style, you know, they've been doing all these Zoom uh, press conferences for these uh, coaches. It's like Mike Vrabel gets on and then like all of the, you know, sports uh, writers and stuff, they all just drill him, you know, for like, they just shoot questions at him and just boom, boom, boom. So that was where all this, uh, this whole idea came from. And all we got were two people to send stuff in, which thank you, Zach and Mason. But I was expecting some sarcastic questions from those three individuals and uh, didn't get it. So you lost out on your chance. Disappointed. Um, you're dead to Disappointed. me. Disappointed. Um, go Titans. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to say. But, uh, yeah, there's your call out. Shame. Shame on you guys. Shame. 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 All right. Speaking of shame. Speaking of shame, it's shameful. Not all right. Perfect. We just abso- got... Absolutely perfect transition. Dude, that's couldn't, all you got to do, be right? Better. I mean, listen, I got it. I can pivot. Pivot! Pivot. All right, episodes Pivot. five and six <laughs> of uh, Q into the Storm have just dropped, and I say dropped for the Q drops. Oh, uh, that's something that we've kind on, of. You're on, dude. <laughs> so good. It's the Woodford. The Woodford does it to me. Oh my. Uh, you know we've we've uh, we've kind of hit on this just as quick, you know, 10, 15 minute updates as these things have been coming out because they've really baffled our minds. Uh, and so, you know what? Rightfully so. We're going to finish this out real quick before we get into kind of our main topic uh, of the evening. But episode five and six, give me your initial thoughts. Well, first and foremost, we were prophetic again. You and I both pretty much called. You called this. I, I, you called it. I take, did. take the credit. I did. Take the credit. I this did. one was you. And I also remember last week when I said, I want to do, uh, do another Q you know, was that a cold call that we did? It was the cold call, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I remember calling that as well because I said, I was like, what I'm putting together in my mind is that we've got this, you know, anonymous message board meets the Facebook algorithm thing, the Twitter algorithm. They hadn't really gone there yet in the show. And then what was it? Episode five and six, uh, COVID happens. And, uh, what do they, what do they say again? I have no idea if the stats real or not, but they just said that internet uh, internet usage was up like forty percent over COVID, which globally Makes that's sense. a lot. That's a lot. Um, and what the the term that they used that I thought was super funny was, was like you have a twenty four hour doom scroll on all these on all these sites now. Um, and, and he even talked about he was like the algorithms were already in place to take over, and then you threw everybody on their phone for twenty four hours. 
and you know, a parent puts in uh, childcare or like, how do I look after my child? And then you find child trafficking. And next thing you know, you're going down all these rabbit holes on child trafficking. And then you look up pandemic and then you find plandemic and all this conspiracy stuff about bio war and everything, which I don't know if any of that's true or not true or whatever. I mean, who, you know, but you're just, all these algorithms were set to draw all of these hyper-focused people onto these hyper extreme topics and all these conspiracies. It was, it was so awesome. As soon as they said that, I was like, yes, I am the smartest man alive. I am the smartest <laughs> man alive. Uh, I mean, it goes into the same thing, right? Like, you know, was it a year or so ago when Kyrie Irving was getting so critiqued about the flat earther thing? Yeah. Right. I mean, and yeah. all that stuff going on and he finally came out and goes, listen, it kind of was a joke to start, but I couldn't really back off of it because it came such a big deal. But it all started for me going down a YouTube like black hole and just I couldn't stop. I could not stop. And it just it, it convinces people, you know, like we, we talked about it with the vow after watching that with the social dilemma after watching through that. I mean, they know how to program this thing to, to make you click. Right. You know, what was the what was the reference we used? Uh, aliens landed in Colorado or whatever it yeah. was that you said. Yeah. Right. And like, it, it's, it's weird, but it's weird enough to get you to, to kind of, oh, what, what, what is this? Let me, let me check this out. Let me check right. this out for a second. And uh, you just, you just can't do it, man. Like it's oof. the, oof. the well, one thing that, cause there wasn't a ton new in these last two episodes. It was more so what was the effect of what these, of what the, this system that was set up, it was more so what's the effect of this system and how can it be used? So, um, you know, they went into Flynn talking about psyops and stuff. They talked about this locust three, three, one, three or 1301 or whatever this thing was. All right. So here's what I kind of took from that little deal. I yeah. think that was pretty much the beginnings. Like that was the origin of this. Right. Like that was how do, how do you actually do the foundation of this and make people follow through and then the Q stuff just got to take it to the next level. Yeah. So this this other, this locust thing, the whole idea was it was this internet game a couple of years ago that just sent people to figure out these wild puzzles by like sending an encrypted message that when you put it into a, a coding machine, it sent out another message and then it sent you to a website and then that took you to a puzzle that said, you know, you had to, it was just this big puzzle this big like kind of scavenger hunt that didn't really ever lead anywhere, but it like entrapped people and they all did it and they followed it. And then ultimately it led them to like places on, on the earth. So people were traveling to like go to Italy or whatever to find this bridge where this, you know, barcode, this like QR code was to find the next thing. And so it was just a lesson to your point. It was just the very beginning of how do we get people to, how can we capture their attention and then send get them action and then get action? And, and then they used it straight up. I mean, yeah, they did. I mean, it ends January 6th, right? Which, 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 which is what you talked about, right? That you really felt like it was going to end there and which it did. And then it ends with pretty much, I mean, I feel pretty convinced so, they revealed Q. Yeah. I have, I have some thoughts on that, but before we get to the end end, you know, they, they teed it up really well because, they riled this whole group of people up and they told them there's a plan, something's going to happen. And this is, you know, they, they, they set expectations for these people, these fanatic people. And then they, they even said it, I think it was 
who was the, it was the professor that studies conspiracies. And he was like, you know, if they don't, if, if this person or this entity doesn't come through with these promises and these, their expectations aren't met, they're going to lose it. They're not going to know how to respond when they've just believed in this, that revival thing when they're like sweating and crying in the middle of like Hollywood or where was that DC or Hollywood? I can't remember where it was. Yeah, I think, I think it, was it was Hollywood. DC, yeah. Oh, maybe DC. It's Hollywood doesn't matter, but uh, you're, <laughs> you're looking at these people in my mind, just crazy, just crazies, just absolutely, absolute idiots in my mind who are out there believing in Q and they're having like a revival moment where they're crying and like, you know, it's almost like speaking in tongues stuff over this anonymous maybe person online. I mean, I, I, we don't know anything. <laughs> how do you, what, what? Yeah, I don't know how you can justify it. I really don't understand I, how, you, how you can justify it. It, 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 it makes sense to me. And it, 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 okay. It doesn't make sense to me. I can have an easier time trying to understand somebody falling into like a cult because there's a physical person, right? Right. There is a physical something right there in front of you that you can touch, talk to, and be manipulated by. The internet is, it's, there's nothing, right? It's a screen. Like, yeah. I, that's, yeah, it I takes mean, me away I, a little bit. I, I agree, but it's also a testament to where we're at right now as a, as a planet. You know what I'm saying? Like, we've got, there's all these new tools out there and people are able to use them because people have been using psychological warfare for a long time. And I don't mean warfare as in like, you know, whatever, but like, like trying to manipulate people psychologically to do their will. You talked about a cult. This is the same exact thing. It's just, they're reaching them and they're playing on their desires and feels and everything at a distance through the internet. And then we talked about it. It's like, they, they don't trust uh, the mainstream media which might be a valid fear, um, but by offering an alternative way of providing information, you also can control the information. You're doing exactly, the funny thing is they bought into the, exactly the same thing that they were running away from. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yep, 100%. You, yeah, ran, away from, you and... ran away from CNN and Fox News to another news source that, that, ha- that look, it wasn't even money. It wasn't even capitalism. They, they talked about it. It was power, Right. You know, yeah. the, the website wasn't making money. Q wasn't making money off this. The only thing they were doing was manipulating minds. It's even more dangerous. Yep. Woo. Yep. It, it, mm. it was scary. Thoughts on Ron. Thoughts uh, on Ron. So uh, I, even from the beginning, not really the beginning, maybe like the third episode or fourth you started to get the idea like he either is involved, he knows who this person is, He's a middleman. He's he's a puppet for somebody. So by the time I got to the end, spoiler alert, um, I, yeah, he either was Q the whole time or he took over as Q whenever Q jumped off. Remember that like little switch yeah. happened where the guy thought it wasn't Q anymore? He could have taken over then. Or, or he was Q the whole time, and then all of a sudden he got some notoriety from some big up, higher up people, and then he was just kind of a puppet for them. I think that's highly possible too. But the fact that this quote unquote individual person or thing decided to stay on that site the whole time, it's just weird. It's just, it's just weird. And there was a lot of facts to support that. The whole, the whole thing with Q posting, this was my favorite line at the end, the whole thing with Q posting whenever eight coon or whatever it was called 
came yeah, up. The new, the, new, one, yeah. the new site comes up, and when other people can't even post because it's all all a mess, Q can post. And, and he asks, he asks Ron, "How is this possible?" He, like, he goes, "Well, he, he tried real hard." <laughs> yeah, I was I like, know. "Must try real hard." I don't think that's how that works. I don't think that's how that works. But yeah. Those are my thoughts on Ron. Ron Watkins. No, man, he finally broke. He was, uh, I don't know, man. That dude, that dude was just messed up. Like, I think, I think you're right. I think he started out as just him because those first, you know, messages and stuff were really weird and convoluted. And then when it started actually getting some real notoriety and working, and some of those generals and, and different people kind of started following along and, and kind of getting involved a little bit, uh, I think that's when it changed. I think it was a more communal effort. Uh, I would say probably four to five people at, at some point were kind of in there at some point, but I think it was still all driven by the same person. Yep. Uh, I mean, that's just, they, they just may have helped with a few different messages. I, I agree. That, that might've been it. I think that, that at some point it. there was influence and it kind of felt like he was making up his own mind as he went to. Um, the one thing that I didn't realize was that at the end, Ron's got his own Twitter handle as Code Monkey, and Trump is just retweeting him left and right. What? Yeah. And then there was that other guy they talked about who was who created this Twitter algorithm thing to boost posts and ideas, and he was getting like ten to fifteen thousand likes per post or per tweet. I was like, holy cow. To get it more into the algorithms, to pull more into people's feed, to pull more attention to it. Which, I mean, that's, that's again, is power. just... Power. It, it is a power. It is a tool that we underestimate. You know what I'm saying? It's not just like posting what you had for, for lunch. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, so it, it was... It was pretty shocking. I mean, it's the same reason. Think of it this way, right? This is the easiest way I think that you can correlate this to, to make it as simple as possible. If you get so many people who subscribe, you get so many viewers, you get so many whatever, advertisers start to pay you, right? And they start to pay you because you're either going to kind of have something maybe in the background, you're going to mention it, you're going to have an ad to the right of it that has their product. And it's just, it's all about viewership. And if you see it enough times, when you think of, you know, a car, oh, a Chevy Silverado, yep. let's go. I want, that's what I want. That's what I've seen 8,000 times without even, it's subconsciously, it's beaten into you. It's pretty hard to just kind of weed that out. Did you did you say Chevy because of the boys? Hundred percent. So see that? all right, <laughs> I did. Well, and the only reason I saw it is because uh, you know you you'd sent me that that screenshot or whatever from uh, from Ramon Foster, and I was like, all right, well, I gotta get on there and yeah. and, and get get my boy another like. And so I went in there and like I logged in for like the first time like three weeks, and I, and I, I, I hit like, and I was just kind of scrolling as I was there. I was like, oh, hey, look at this. We'll comp it out here. The sponsored boys, by Chevy now. The boys got sponsored by Chevy. Good for them. So yeah, that's pretty awesome. Um, that is pretty awesome. I, I you know, I as far as closing thoughts, I don't I I hope this is the last time we see something like this, but I don't think it is. I don't it's think not. it will be. And I think I think the scary thing is some of these ideas were just idiotic. Some some of the like the concept of this seemed so far fetched that I think they just they duped the dummies. You know what I'm saying? I, I really do. Cause you, I mean, they, I'm sorry, but they're showing these people that were believing all this stuff. And I'm just like, Oh wow. <laughs> like, yeah, the outcasts, the outsiders, that whole deal. Uh, it seemed like they went after those, those kind of people and the boomers. 
the people that when you call and they're like, hey, uh, this is the, uh, I'm calling from to update your warranty. Uh, let me log into your computer and steal your bank information. They're like, oh my God, he's so helpful. Thank you. I'll, I'll let you give that to you. Those kind of people were targeted as well. The technologically yep. naive. What I'm getting at is what I'm concerned about is that, you know, evolution. So in five years, when we've forgotten about this little uh, experiment that happened on us, uh, there's something that comes out that's a lot more plausible, you know, a lot like something that may, maybe you and I would like be like, oh, that makes sense. Do you know what I'm saying? You, you ever thought about this? Yeah. Well, see, I thought of it in a little bit of a different tinge, right? I thought about it more so, not necessarily. I love that word. The tinge. tinge. The tinge. Uh, not necessarily like the, the rabbit holes and stuff that might send you down. Uh, I mean, yeah, to a degree. But it, it is those algorithms and it is those driving forces and it is like that stuff that gets you pulled into, you know, the top spot on Google when a search is done, right? The top, you know, thing, the hit in Twitter, the top in Facebook. I think that there's probably a lot of money, obviously, that would go into that. We've talked about following the money a bunch of different times. We're going to talk about it in a little bit uh, when we talk about the, the uh, seaspiracy and stuff. But the idea that especially like from a political level right that's that's kind of where i keep thinking and, and just the way my mind works i mean i can get a lot more likes and a lot more attention and a lot more voter turnout if if, if you're only going to see my message right and we've talked about that from the social network perspective and how that kind of gets you into your own bubble uh but obviously that could help grow that bubble dramatically and if that's all you're seeing and all you're knowing i mean that's that's mass control I, I mean, I, I that's think, what scares I me. I do think we're kind of already there on some level, though. You know? No, we we are. This proved it, right? Yeah. This proved it. Yeah. Well, anyways, we talked about doing a little three part uh, three part episode tonight, um, and then Corey and I have had some other conversations about how this podcast is going to move forward. Because I'll be honest, we we're just figuring it out, right? I mean, this I think this is twenty one that we're going to be doing here, um, and. There's been some that have been that have been more fun than others. There's been some that we get really worked up, and I feel energetic about, and it's exciting. And then there's others where we do it, and I'm just kind of like, I don't know, we're just not feeling it. We don't, you know, we're not clicking. So uh, one thing that we did click on was obviously this little documentary that we were watching, and uh, we talked about doing another one. There was some other stuff that just came out, and it was like, well, I want to talk about this. So we watched Seaspiracy over the last week or so. Uh, I watched it for a second time today, just kind of prepping for this, but just another documentary. This one's on Netflix that, uh, is just thought provoking, you know, you watch it and I'm, you know, this is more stuff that I don't necessarily think I, I, a normal person thinks about, um, unless you have a reason to go seek it out. You know, you don't think about how your the tuna ends up in the can and in your tuna salad, you know, you just how your sushi roll shows up where it's supposed to be at. So, uh, Seaspiracy was, was quite interesting. It's about an hour and a half, I think. And, uh, it's just this, this guy that always loved the ocean and he wanted, you know, and he got into filmmaking and he wanted to go make a documentary about the ocean, but he didn't know where to start. And next thing you know, he starts uncovering some, uh, things that he didn't want to uncover. No, some pretty deep stuff, man. Um, first off, I do want to say that they screwed up just right off the bat. Just the name. Just the name. It, listen, 
Seaspiracy, whatever. Okay, I get it. I know what this is going to be about. But you have it right there. Conspiracy. It is It is right there. Just uh, S-E-A at the end there. I'm just conspiracy. You sent, it's, you, it's just it's perfect. You sent that back to me, and I was like, wow, that is... That's, so this, much better. This is Corey at his cleverest. At his most clever. So much better. I don't think cleverest is a word. Maybe cleverest it is. I, could I, be. I don't know. Most, make it work. most clever. That, that was... I was like, wow, that was... That's a great That's point. To do. It would actually it's would have in been the name. conspiracy. It is in the name. So good. I mean, it is right there for you. How do you miss it? Yeah. Um, now, I'm sure that's already been taken, and that may be true, but I don't know that for a fact, so I'm just going to go along that it's not. Very but, true. So I have gotten into, I have over the years, uh, I, I like documentaries. I like, I'm a documentary kind of guy. At least I have been since... The, the little man's come along. I've, I've tamed down quite a bit. And so documentaries, I think, come with that <laughs> nature. Dad docs. Uh, at least for me. Dude, I like docs. I like to know things. I never want my kid to, like, one day ask me a question. I just have, like, no idea. You know, so like. you, you going to be. Like, mm. You watching Jeopardy this week with uh, old A-Rod? Uh, A-Rod, yeah, baby. Did you see, did you see the, uh, the final it. Jeopardy question? Oh, yeah. Was perfect. Oh, that was, yeah. Why did they kick that field goal? You know, it's a great question, <laughs> that and I wish a, I do, but that, that is, is not the right answer. Oh, it, question. it was perfect. So I've gotten into a lot of these docs, and it's something you, I think, have gotten into as well. We, we've talked about quite a few of them. Um, you know, I, I liked for a good while there all the ones that had to do with food uh, and everything and, like, how your food was made, where it came from, you know, uh, forks over knives was one that was big for me, you know, cowspiracy. That was one that I, yeah, there's, there's a bunch of them. And I, Is I that real? I don't want to try Cowspiracy? To... Oh, it's real. Okay. It's, it's on Netflix right now. So that is probably. It's actually pretty good. If I had to guess, that's probably why this one was named this way. Could be wrong. Yeah, that would make sense. I could be wrong. I don't know anything about what you just sense. said. So I will have to go check well, that one. I, that fair. one scares me though, because I like my steak so much. I don't want to, I actually, Dude, I don't well, think I want to know. I want to get into that. Hold on. I want to get into that. I want to get into that exact point in a little bit. We'll get there. We'll get there. I want to get into that exact point. So we start off with this, this seaspiracy, right? And it's about, you know, like, like Van was talking about, it was about this guy. Uh, he really just, he wants to treat the oceans better, right? He loved the ocean, this whole deal. So he, like probably you, the biggest thing that you think about when you think about the ocean, right, is plastic and pollution, right? So what, what can we do from a plastics point of view? That's the thing that it seems like everybody concentrates on, everybody does everything. So we're going to talk through a few of these things, I think, as we kind of go along here and thoughts and ideas and, and whatnot. But I want to give you a brief outline, really, of how this whole thing unfolded, because I thought that it was pretty I, kind I, of crazy and I ridiculous. Liked, yeah, I'm going to interject real fast before you do. I liked what you're about to do, which is how it was laid out. And it was like a progression of things because it was it was kind of like he was he took us along the journey of him learning about. One, you know, this is a negative aspect of something. And then, oh, wait, I, that led me to this other thing. And I'm like, well, if I was worried about that thing, then I should be worried about this thing. And it was just the progression of the documentary was very interesting how he, it was like he didn't really have a topic. He just, one thing led him to the next thing, led him to the next. Um, go ahead. It, no, it was great. He just, he kept building. You're exactly right. He kept building. And like, just when you think it can't get any worse, it gets worse. Oh, like God. it's, it's a really rough thing to watch like it, it's it's rough it's hard it's hard it's it, rough. at times it is very hard to watch did you ever watch um uh, blackfish that one i, when it I did out? not about sea world and I, stuff I, I did not i i know the premise and i think i saw like youtube clips and stuff so i i understand 
the idea behind that. I know that was a huge deal, what, five, ten years ago when that came out? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I probably think it was five-ish. But yeah, it was, I mean, it was a big one. And this one hits on that just a little bit, but just for 20 seconds because he goes on to the next thing that just has more right. bad. Steam, you know, more, right? More, yeah. So he goes from plastics, right, and kind of what we probably all would have assumed be kind of the biggest issue, into whaling, which, okay, uh, most of us have probably heard of that and kind of, yep, that's bad, we get it, we understand that. Uh, But then like dolphin and shark killing, uh, how that industry has really kind of taken off, how that has been kind of run by the mob and the Yakuza and all this kind of crazy stuff. Uh, And then it goes into really what's doing even more damage than that, which kind of throws you off actually industrial fishing right and then something called bycatch which we'll get into but just just industrial fishing in the ocean and how that has had really negative impacts on the ocean on the ocean life and actually on us in a in a pretty weird and crazy way uh it goes into you know some of those labeling uh places and procedures and and how they are trying to come across as you know, dolphin safe or the MSC blue tick and all the stuff that maybe you're into and know about and try to get, you know, uh, salmon or tuna or any kind of fish that's approved by these companies and really the uh, kind of fraud and ethical issues that are behind them uh, to really kind of, you know, get that thing going and who they're really controlled by. And, and all it's it's wild. It goes into uh, climate change. And, and how much it really deals with climate change is something we've hit on a little bit, but I didn't realize how much the ocean had to do with that, if I'm just being perfectly honest. So it kind of blew my mind from that perspective. And then in all honesty, to kind of bring it home, it goes into slavery and how slavery is an active, you know, really deal in the, the fishing industry. Uh, you know, how, how many human rights violations there really are, you know, we, t- we talk this whole thing you think is about, you know, sea life and, and, and everything else. And then it ties it back. It's like, no, nah, actually, they're doing the same stuff to humans, too. And it's pretty rough. It was it's pretty rough. It, it was the, the it was the documentary that just kept on giving. It was kind of like Tiger King. <laughs> every time, every time I thought I saw something bad, there was like, oh, there's another really bad thing. And then it was like, oh, wait, there's another really bad thing. I mean, the slavery part of it was was pretty shocking. I mean, I th- again, you think cheap labor, you know, that kind of, you think about that existing, but like ca- capturing some, like enticing someone to come onto a boat for a job and then literally holding them at gunpoint and making them work for six years without ever getting off the boat. <laughs> it's crazy. What? It's crazy. Whipping them with pipes. Yes. If they don't do anything, Boiling just shoot water. them, throw them overboard. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, that's that's the other thing. Well, I'm going to save that for later. But yeah, there, you know, you're out on the water. So, I mean, you, you know, there was a storm. He got sick. You know, we couldn't leave the body on board, so we had to throw him overboard. I mean, this is uh, a lawless, you know, terrain that you're on. I guess that's the opposite of terrain. You're, you know, you're on the ocean. But um, yes, it was the progression of, of A to B to C to D to E and so on was, was wild. It was intense. It was intense. It was. So that's that's kind of how I figured we would structure this a little bit and how yeah. we would kind of walk through it almost in a similar manner. Uh, so we'll just we'll circle back around to plastics, right? We'll circle back around to what I assumed was the, the biggest. I've heard of garbage. Have you ever heard of like garbage island? Or I don't remember what they the garbage the great thing. garbage patch. I think is what they called yeah, it. I thought it was garbage island. Yeah, that's what it was called. I'm not gonna lie. But you've so you've heard of that. I've heard right? of that. Yep. 
So and 150 million tons of plastic. Of just plastic and garbage. Plastic. In our ocean. Of Whatever. Just plastic. You know. They said they said this thing, it was uh, a garbage truck is emptied in the ocean full of plastic on average every hour. If you really want to like bubble it down. Right. That's, that's what it's equivalent to. And, and then you've it's got insane. the images in your mind of, you know, the six... The six pack of Coke, you know, the little, the little, the rubber or the plastic thing that goes around the top of the Coke cans. And then you yep. see like that it's around the turtle's neck or whatever. You see the fish the straw. Yeah. The, the straw that yeah, they've chewed on that like is stuck in their stomach. And so those are pretty, I think, that, I mean, again, it's a pretty, those are concepts that I'm grasping because that's what I see all the time. You know, people, this yep. whole, you know, use paper straws thing you know, metal straws, reusable bottles, all of that stuff. We're pretty used to seeing that. So that was kind of, he started at exactly where I think a normal person would start. You know, they showed him cleaning up the beaches. He ran across like a baby seal that was dead on the, on one of the beaches. And, um, and where was it? Where did he start? Was that in? Just out in California. I was in California. No, yeah. South, South Britain. Sorry. You're right. He was, he's from South Britain. Yeah. Yeah. So we started exactly kind of where I thought we would start. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's some of the things. I don't know. Did you ever get into the whole straw thing? You know, like I have a few metal straws. We have a couple downstairs. Um, I don't know if I've ever. I'll used be them. honest. The I mean, the paper ones from Jimmy John's are like the worst things in the world. Oh, Jersey Mike's. It's the worst things. They dissolve in like 40, 40 seconds. And uh, not that I don't care about the planet, I absolutely do. Um, but it's just the most disgusting thing when you're, when you're drinking, I would rather just take the top off. You know what I'm saying? Um, yep. 100%. so, uh, you know, Kimberly really is into recycling and I think this, uh, I, I don't think anything about this says don't try to recycle. I just think that it also shows that there are some other very large issues that are, this is not a one size fits all fix. So not to go too off topic here. Let's go. But the recycling issue, just to start, right? So just about everything plastic. And I would love to you, watch. We should recycle. Go, we should go find we that documentary do on that. Yes, for there, sure. Because because you can only recycle like very minimal things. Right. Very minimal. Like you think that we're doing such a good job because my recycling bin is currently overflowing, right? Nah. They're throwing that. They're, just they're, throw it away. they're taking that out and they're throwing a lot of it right in the garbage. If you don't prep it the right way if you don't you know if it's a, the wrong bottle or glass or whatever you know so it's it's like a the recycling you know arrow chasing symbol one and two and like that's it everything else pretty much is garbage they're not gonna take it i don't know sorry i don't like that that would be an interesting one to talk about because i think that kind of goes into a whole crazy deal all right before, anyway before we go to industrial fishing i the whaling and the dolphins let's do that yeah 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 for sure dude so uh, what was it? There's been an international ban since 1986 on whaling. And uh, Japan, right? Japan that, that uh, yeah. came off and basically said, nah, we're going to do what we want. We're right. going to go whaling again. And so there is a place, Taiji, Taiji. Japan, Taiji. where yeah. you could actually still view this from shore. Right, everything else you think. I mean, it's out in the middle of the ocean. It's pretty hard to see. Yeah, which you're, you're assuming honestly, they're catching yeah, they're issue. catching these massive creatures out in the open water. No, they're like corralling them into the shore and bringing in you know just tons of whales, dolphins, and sharks. Which I didn't know. Uh, okay, 
the the reasoning around some of this stuff was baffling. How, that's what I was going to get to. That's what I was going to get to because a lot of this stuff is not what they're doing. It's kind of why they're doing it and how it's they're just getting away with it or justifying it. Go ahead. So they get paid so much money for some of this meat and like tuna, for example, right? You know, he ends up going to a tuna plant. That's where they end up doing a lot of the sharking and the shark finning and all that kind of stuff. So just for tuna, right? I love tuna. You love tuna. I love sushi. I think probably the majority of the people out here that love it, right? So a, a bluefin tuna can get around $3 million per fish, which is just they were saying that's in Hong, They were saying that's in Hong Kong. And I don't know, is that, is that, I'm assuming that was 3 million US. I don't know if that's 3 million. Yeah, Hong, I'm sure you converted it. Yeah, I, I, I had no idea it was that much. Um, so a couple, go ahead, go ahead. No, just like three million yeah. to the point where that has now been so overfished, less than three percent of the population of, of bluefin tuna actually. Yeah. They threw that they threw that set out and I was like, wow. Now one of the other things that was really kind of blowing my mind was that um the reason why they were killing all of these dolphins and sharks was to stay away from these other fish that they overfish. So if they take away the the predators at the top, which we'll get into this whole thing. In a little bit, then they don't go after the fish and they have more fish. But there was another stat in there about like halibut. It was like they in then in the eighteen seventies or something. It was something like eighteen fifty. It's like they they could pull out two tons of halibut in a week. And it said that now it takes a year to pull out two tons of halibut because there's literally that much less in the ocean. Uh that but one But we have eight bajillion more ships out right. there fishing it. Like right. how crazy is yeah. that? Like when you kind of look at it, you know, it's not one boat anymore. Exactly. And then, you know? and then they were talking about for every, the, one of the other shocking things was that, you know, you think about capturing dolphins and other big fish for, um, the, for museums and for like, you know, uh, mm-hmm. what am I thinking about? Attractions and stuff. There was a, a term yeah. they used, but, uh, they said that for every one that's captured alive, they ki- like 12 others are killed. So like the marine park industry, marine park industry. There we go. Yep. Yeah. One capture for 12 kills yeah. for dolphins. Yeah. That one's and, and yeah, the, the reason they gave was the same one that you just said, right? It's the, it's the overfishing, right? They want to blame dolphins for catching their fish so that they yep. can't catch them. So they just kill them. That's it. Which is absolutely what stupid, uh, and makes zero sense, uh, considering we're the ones overfishing and, and doing all this kind of crap. The, the thing that I thought was wild with that same kind of portion was it goes into like who owns the market, the fish market? Yes. Mitsubishi owns 40% of the, and it was, I think that was tuna specific. Yes. But I'm just going to expand it and say, you know, hey, whatever, of the fishing market. Still Mitsubishi, wild. like, there's a, there, my neighbor has a Mitsubishi. Like that, it's right over there. Yeah. But they're probably making more money from the fishing industry than they are from their, from their auto industry. Right. It's How insane. crazy is that? Yeah. It's, it, there, there were a lot of stats throughout this that I was like, what? <laughs> I, it, it, it makes like zero sense. I feel like that's become my thing on here now. I, I just say, I just pause and I go, what? Or I say, holy wow. <laughs> I feel like, <laughs> my goodness. We, my, my goodness. <laughs> we could do a drinking game surrounded by that for sure. Um, but a lot of this was just stats. And then there were images, which we'll get to. But um, so that stuff was shocking. And then we get to industrial fishing and um, bycatch. So bycatch, go ahead. No, no. By, bycatch, yeah. which I think I assumed was happening, but not at all at this 
volume is just when you're trying to catch a certain kind of fish or a certain species of something, and then you catch other things. So you're, you know, you're trying to catch halibut or whatever it is. And then in the process, all of the, the birds fly down to get the fish. And the next thing you know, you got 10,000 dead birds floating in the water. And they showed images of this stuff. It was insane. You pick up sharks, you pick up dolphins, you pick up other creatures, turtles, get, they get pulled in there. And so for every industry, and here's the thing, if you're picking up you know, whatever it is, I don't know what other, tuna or what, whatever the, the species is, they're going to throw back anything else because that is a tuna boat or whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? They're not. And by the time they get it onto the boat and they get everything out and they get everything separated, that animal's probably dead. Uh, and then they just chuck it back in the ocean. And so when they were showing some of those images of like the trail behind the boat so that was just dead sharks and, and dolphins and turtles and, and birds, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it, but what? <laughs> no, but it is right. So, so yeah, the accidental catch or accidental take or, or whatever you want to do. But the funny thing is, is that they economically plan for that from a cost perspective to have to deal with it and the time and labor to get those things out of the net and over the side. And to your point, it said 40% of everything that goes back is already dead. Yeah. Okay. So you think about this and these giant nets. And, and one of the things that, that I wanted to talk about when it came to the nets and some of the ways that they did it, right, was, uh, what was it? Logging? Lagging? What were those nets called? Trolling. Troll fishing. Trolling nets. These things that are can fit 13 jumbo jets, 500 soccer fields, like these ridiculous, said, like I, I did not know that these things existed. I'm going to be, I, I was in the Navy, all right? Yeah. I spent a lot of time in ocean water. Yeah. I've spent a lot of time in the ocean and I had no idea that there were nets this large. I had zero clue. So, and they just wipe stuff out well they, they showed it under the water you can fit all those jets and stuff inside of the net that big and it's just catch it's just dragging anything that it can scoop up um and then uh you know the the stat that really was crazy to me was they said that the fishing nets that are used daily could wrap around the globe 500 times did you remember that yep. stat they said the, yeah, the, the long line the, fishing. Yeah, long line fishing that are that are being used every day could wrap around the globe, our planet, five hundred times in one day. And that, and that to you, that's every day, exactly. Every daily, every single daily, day. daily, every single day. Yeah. And and what's crazy to me is that you know this this industry right, <clears throat> and it has so much money, and we've said this several different times. You know, follow the money, you'll see where it goes. Follow the money, and so what do you what do you do, right? How how do you really kind of combat this? You want to have some kind of NPO or some kind of label that tells you, makes you feel good about it. Because I can go into this whole thing of, of shame versus fear and how those tactics are used in different ways. You know, do really, you know, what can you do? So there's the MSC Blue Tick, right, which is one of the big companies out there in Dolphin Safe, which is probably the two largest companies that people look for. And, and just to kind of give you a, a lowdown on it for like a Dolphin Safe, you know, label, the, the three. And I'm going to say theory because we'll get into this. The theory is that when they're fishing uh, for whatever fish it might be, for tuna, for halibut, for whatever, that no dolphins are harmed and, and them, you know, catching these fish and, and doing everything right. It is sustainable fishing, which I would love to talk about, too. But it, it's it's yeah, it's 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 only that. Right. We're not killing anything else. We're doing this very, you know, above board and, and everything else. So so pause there. That sounds lovely, Corey. That sounds like a great thing. If you could guarantee me that the fish that I'm eating, 
there were no there was no bycatch there was no dolphins harmed in the making of this tuna that we caught and killed <laughs> um, you just wanted to say that line I did. that's what you wanted you wanted I to say did. that line so bad i hadn't thought about it till just now it came off the top but i did as soon as it's i thought good. of it i'm like this is it this is the moment i'm going to use it here um so that's a great idea, right? But tell us what's wrong with that, or tell us what they told us was wrong. <laughs> well, so there's several things that are wrong with it. Uh, and I'm going to sum it up by telling you what the guy from Dolphin Safe said himself. This is from the man who's like the head of the thing. He's just like, well, it's guaranteed Dolphin Safe. He goes, okay, well, so you're telling me that you can guarantee that no dolphins were harmed in the making of this tuna. Now I'm stealing it. I'm stealing it shamelessly. Uh, and he's like, well... I can't necessarily guarantee it. You know, there, there may have been, you know, one or two. I can't say, you know, I, who am I to really say? He's like, well, then how are you telling me that this is dolphin safe and guaranteeing it? Well, I can guarantee it is about as well as, you know, the, the earth is good, right? You know, is it? Is it? It's like, really? You know, it kind of gives you that. So how do you, how do, you do this? Well, we have, we have people that are, that are you know, investigators, Obser- right? They, they sit there and they, they manage call them observers. observers, Yeah. right? Yep. We have these observers on the boat. And, well, okay, so they're on every boat? No. Well, how many? Well, I mean, a few. <laughs> like, there are 4.6 million fishing vessels yeah. in the ocean at any given time. And he said, and then he drops this one, and he's like, and they can be bribed. <laughs> yeah, just like, like, no big deal. This, and this is the, Earth, this is the Earth Island Inst- Institute, I think, was the name of it. Was that I think, that one? Yeah. I, I, I think was, so, I think so. But but he it, it was insane to me how this guy is the representative of this this company that puts out these labels right and they they basically certify you know this tuna was is dolphin safe great and then he asked him like can you guarantee it and he's like no he's yeah. like he's like okay why not and he's like because we've got these observers out there but they're not on every boat and so you're kind of taking the captain's word for it and they can be bribed oh and we find out later that they can also be killed and thrown overboard and go missing as well. Uh, but, you know, this is what we got. This is the system that we're in. He said the world's not perfect. I think that's what he said at one point. I'm like, <laughs> what? what? Um, it was so incredibly ridiculous uh, because they get paid, right? They'll, they'll basically pay Dolphin Safe or, or you know, whatever institute uh, for that label because consumers generally the, are like, they feel a little better the about company, it, right? Just what we yes, were just saying. The company that's selling the tuna after the fact pays the earth island institute to put this label on that that says dolphin safe and it's a it's a marketing you know when you look at it it's just marketing it's like they're going to try to draw the consumer in and and lie to them and say this is safe and no dolphins were harmed in the making of this tuna and uh and in reality you're just taking the word of a captain who's halfway across the world by himself with probably a crew of like 20 or 30 who you know so he just wants to get paid. That's yeah. all he cares about. Him today. He don't care about our dolphin. He doesn't. Yeah. Right. And we can get into the whaling comments at the very end there about how life is a life and, and all that kind of stuff because that that kind of gives you a, a, a thought provoking question. But you know, just just for bycatch, right? Just for reference, there. You know, we talked about that. Three hundred thousand dolphins and whales were killed by bycatch in the past year. Three hundred thousand. So I mean, there there's there's a real number if that you really want to think about it. And when you a talk, lot. <laughs> dude, it's a ton. That's a ton. And like the, the craziest thing was one of the guys who was uh, attacked by a bull shark, right? And he, so he got into yep. shark diving and documenting and, and everything to really kind of understand it, to overcome that fear. Uh, you know, he goes, he, 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 he's on the research. Uh, sharks kill about 10 people a year. We kill about, 
I'd say 20,000. They really said 11 to 30,000. Just kind of depends. I'm just going to put it in the middle. I'm going to say 20,000 per hour. He said per hour. And I was like, no way. No way. But then they show. Yeah, I thought he was going to say per year. Yeah, that's what I thought he was going to say, or per month or whatever. He said 10 to 10 to 30,000 per hour. And then I'm like, there's no way. And then we see the shark fin uh, fishing that's going on. I mean, it's it's a ton of them just on the floor for that one day. And they're just taking fins and throwing the rest away. Taking fins, throwing the rest away. It was, yeah, some of, some of the, that was some of the tougher parts to watch. Um, but uh, so I, I really want to get into the, the conspiracy part of this, which I think we were always going to get to. But one of the other ones that I found interesting was this plastic, uh, I'm going to forget the name of it, the Pollution Plastic coalition or whatever this is this is basically the company or the organization quote-unquote nonprofit that is all about cleaning up the ocean right this is the company that um our guy uh, we should really look up the names of these people that we do we talk about these documentaries <laughs> <laughs> it would be good to give a shout out to the person who spent like three years of their life doing this film anyways this is like the nonprofit that he's been following to figure out how to clean up the oceans this is why he goes out to the beach and picks up trash and why he stopped using you know plastic utensils and why he stops using reusable bottles and everything or why he starts using reusable bottles anyways so this coalition on their website when they you know he's trying to ask the question what can we do to clean up the ocean and he gets around to plastics and he finds out through his research that 46% of the plastic in the ocean is cut off from it's from industrial fishing. It is it's lines, nets, nets. buoys, uh, you know, all of those plastic products that get just cut off. Cause you know, if the net gets tangled or whatever, you just cut it off and keep going. Um, so he finds out that this, you know, plastic pollution coalition thing, um, he's asking them, well, why don't, why is there no, why is there not as much focus on the industrial fishing side of things? And it's more on the consumer dumping in plastic and, you know, not recycling. Why is there not a big push there? And you can tell it starts to get a little testy in the room. And she's like, I'm not talking about this. And he's kind of like, why, what's going on? Why would we not talk about, if this is 46% of the pollution in the ocean, why would we not look at industrial fishing? And then he puts it together and sure enough, the, the Plastic Pollution Coalition is sponsored by the Earth Island Institute, which is the same people that have put, been putting out these blue labels, these, this big industrial fishing company. And it's just one of those where it's like, if, if the company that's running the industry is also running the company that's supposed to be cleaning up the things that are the product of the industry, that it's a little, for a, a, the best pun of the day, that's a little fishy. Yeah. Follow, follow the shiny object. You were supposed right? to give I mean, me a, so much shit for that. That was terrible. That was, by the way. That was the worst. You should not have. You should not have given me the satisfaction of saying that. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you were going to clap back on that and be like, "Dude, come on." Um, anyways, I'm I'm probably, I'm probably what? I'm probably messing up these names of these companies. So, Ali Tabrizi is the documentor. Gotcha. Oh, it's Ali. That's, that, that's what it was. Ali. So Ali. That, that's an easy one to remember. Uh, I just, it, there was, there was some connections that were made where it was like, oh, clearly there's a financial interest in this company to protect industrial fishing. So we'll do the right thing, quote unquote, but we're also going to keep our own as well. It was, uh, yeah, 
There was that. Well, because like that's what we hear about, right? We hear about the plastic side. We hear about the straws, right? We both we both have mentioned the straws and how kind of what we've talked about. 003 percent of plastics in the ocean actually come from straws. Straws and over forty six percent are just from you know the the fishing and nets and everything else. It's it's disgusting. Like it's not even close. It's really not even close. And yeah. You know, should we probably not use straws? Yeah, probably, right? What what can we do to help? That's that's an easy thing that we could probably all do. But it's really not going to make any difference. Like, if we're just being real about it, chime time. Chime time. It's really not going to make a difference. Chime time's nine. Um, so, and, and that comes to the, that comes to like the crux, the main question of the whole documentary is what can we do to protect our oceans? Um, and so I think the big thing that, the wool that was pulled over our eyes a little bit was that we're being fed this information on how can we, you know, what are, he's asking the question and then he sees what the answer is from these big companies that should know better. They should know the answer. You know, I think at one point he went to like the European minister of fisheries or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's going to these people that should have the answer to that. You know, the people, the, the nonprofits, these coalitions, all these people that should know how to protect the ocean. And he's asking them, what can we do better? And it's like straws and stuff. And then he goes back and he looks at the numbers and it's like, but industrial fishing is the majority. Why are we not, why is no one focusing on this? And you and I both know the answer to that question. Oh, it's the money, man. It's, it's, there's so much money in it that it's It's hard to stop a train. It's, Do you remember that old commercial? What? Do you remember that old commercial? commercial. It's hard to stop a train. (laughs) I do remember that. There's a, there's a, uh, if you go out of my neighborhood and down a little ways, there's a, there's a giant, like uh, a train warehouse. And I think about it every single time. Can't stop a train. Uh, Every time. Anyway, but no, I mean, it's just the money, right? There's so much money in that industry. It's a multi-billion. And it depends on which way you want to look at it. Like, I think tuna by itself is a $42 billion uh, industry. Like, if you look at shrimp, shrimp is like a $60 billion. Like, it's, it is absurd the amount of money that, that falls in this fishing. But the thing is, is, we're, one, overfishing, so we're running out of it, right? And if you want to talk about really what that's doing to the, to the ocean life in general, you know, we've talked about sharks and, and how much they're kind of getting taken away. You know, Van mentioned the apex predator comment. And I kind of want to dive into this a little bit. So let's do it. Uh, the, the, the diagram kind of given was sharks are the apex predators of the ocean. Yeah, there's, there's nothing really that eats them. So they eat, you know, whatever's next. They left, off okay. God, they left off Godzilla and all those little creatures there at the well, bottom and like the, you know, the Marianas Trench and stuff. You know, well, I've been watching, going down there. I love some sci-fi. I'm just, t- I'm totally kidding. But okay, keep going. Anybody going down there. Stuff. <laughs> uh, you know, so sharks are eating, you know, all of level two. Right. But we're fishing all the sharks. So say we get all these sharks and we're killing them off, which we really are. If you look at, you know, between bull, thresher, hammerhead, all these things, we have reduced their populations by 80 percent or greater. Most of them over 95 percent. And they're really endangered at this point, uh, which there's no reason for them to be. But, you know, say we take them away. Right. So we're, we're getting rid of the sharks which then leaves level two. So level two will feel number three. Well, if nothing's eating and, and kind of controlling level two, level two will continue to expand, and then it's going to eat all level three. And then level three is going to go extinct, and then level two is going to go extinct because it's going to have anything to eat. And it's just a continual cycle that's just going to cycle all the way down to the, the phytoplankton, right? <laughs> Which is uh, what I learned, right, was really what absorbs four times the, the carbon 
uh, emissions of the Amazon, like of of the world, right? What was it? How how much carbon emissions are actually stored in the ocean? I thought it was eighty five percent. Yeah, eighty five percent. Ninety three percent. Oh, it's the wrong line. Ninety three percent of carbon is stored in the ocean. Uh, ocean plant life, right? That's absurd. Like I say, go plant a tree, but how about we save the coral reefs, right? Let's maybe that might be a better, might be yeah. a better plan as far as we get the climate change and how that goes. But okay, so take that, you know, for for what it's worth from the the marine life uh, side of things. Now take a step back. We are the apex predator, right? We're it until uh, Skynet takes over. Yes, we're we're there. Well, you know, we've, we've talked we've talked through some of those those things. You know, so nothing's really kind of hitting us, but if our food starts going, you know, where, where are we turning to? Right. I mean like this, this kind of still circles back around to us and it's made me think, you know, like I, I want to ask this question towards the end, but I kind of want to get to it now. I, you know, make up your mind. I don't know how much fish I really want to eat after watching this thing. Yeah. That's, you know? that's, like, that's the, that's the ultimate question at the end. I do, I kind of want to save that a little bit, but we've only got a couple more topics to get there. Okay, we'll be, save it. We'll save honest. it because I would like to. I would like to kind of be a deeper what conversation. You, what you that. just described, though, is the age-old idea behind. Well, we're the apex predator, but we've gotten so our technological advances are wiping out the, you know, our food sources faster than they can keep. We're just disruptors. We're massive disruptors. You know. Uh, if tomorrow Godzilla did come up from the ground, he would disrupt a little bit and we would have, we would have some issues. You know what I'm saying? Let me, let me phrase it to you this way then. If we are the apex predator, it's not because we're the biggest. It's not because we're the strongest. It's because they're both developed and the smartest, right? Yep. Because if we didn't have our, the technological advances that we had, a lion or a wolf would eat the crap out of us. Like that is just that is life, little dicky. That is nature. There it is. Yeah, that's what I was referencing. I know. I, referencing I thought about. 100%. I thought about. <laughs> I thought about referencing pillow talking all day when we were prepping for this, and I'm glad you brought it up first because I forgot about it till just I now. Hundred percent. Which well, until yeah, okay. They're anyway. vicious. Uh, Viciously. <laughs> you don't believe in the aliens? <laughs> she don't know about Pangea. Uh, anyway, okay. Brandon is going to uh, love this. Shout out Brandon Dowd. He's going to love that. So do we want to think about the advancements in technology and apex predator relationship as our ability to better catch and eat fish uh, at really all food as just an advancement in nature? Um, does that make it wrong, right? If, if we're able to do this because that is our God-given abilities and right to use our intelligence to make fishing and hunting and right. overproducing of animals easier. Is that not so all right? I think the answer is it's all right. If we can find out a way to do it sustainably, which is the argument. Cause right now it's like there's sustainable fishing and they go into this, you know, they talk about fish farms. They talk about other ways to sustainably fish, but then they, they go back to the scientists and they're like, scientists are like, well, it's kind of a farce. Like, there really is no real way to sustainably extract mass mass quantities of life from this planet and do it in a sustainable way. It's just not, it's not possible. You're disrupting in one way or the other. There's, there's byproducts that are bad. You know, again, bycatch we talked about for the fish farms. That was disgusting, man. When they were, when they were put like the fish farms where there's basically just a big little, you know, net out in the ocean. And then they just have these fish that just swim around in circles. 
I mean, they were talking about disease, lice, waste. I mean, they're, they're living in their own filth, right? Because they can't waste. get away from it. They're no, swimming around they're just, and around yeah. and around. They're getting all those parasites. It was Scotland. Getting... Scotland, they were talking about that the fisheries, the fish farms they use produce more, uh, more uh, what was it, waste, biological waste, more biological waste than the entirety, entire population of Scotland, the fish farms alone. <laughs> and it's just going into the ocean. So it's like, okay, so that's... Yeah, no, they said it smelled terrible, and I could just, I couldn't even imagine, I couldn't even imagine. Um, and then you got to think about what quality food are you getting, too. They were showing the, sam- so that, the salmon that gets dyed the pink color, you know? Yep, yep, I mean, it's, uh, you know, from farm fishing, right? I mean, it's, they're, they're being fed other fish, right? So you think that, you know, you're not really damaging right there. They're, they're controlling the population. Well, they're getting fed fish kibble. Basically, yeah, uh, you know they're they're getting the, the parasites like you talked about from swimming around in their own waste, and basically, and it's funny the farmers talk about it right. They're, they're gray, yeah, they are gray, and you can add coloring right if you actually go buy when you buy the next pack of salmon or whatever, go look at it, and I guarantee you it says color added, guarantee. That was, I guarantee that it. was gross when they said that. I was like, oh, and no. it's basically if you ate a real salmon, that's you know it's gray. It's like a clear gray look we, to it. Yeah, it's gross. Uh, and we can make it as pink as you want. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. So, um, but you know, what do you do? Uh, so I guess that this, this, okay. So we've covered everything that we saw and it was shocking as hell. And we'll, I want to cover the last scene real fast. Cause it was one of the more brutal things that you've ever seen. You know, throughout they show boats, they show the guys at the beginning with the, you know, the dolphins, they round up the dolphins and they're, they're capturing and killing them in, Japan, but they get to that last scene. And I think what are they in Norway? I think it's Norway or Iceland. So they are in Iceland? Denmark, Denmark, and for the Faroe Islands in Denmark. Yeah. So they have this tradition of where they'll do like a whale run, basically, and they do the same thing they did in Japan, but it's a little bit more involved, uh, human wise. So they they circle all of these whales up, and they use black smoke, and they use their boats to to capture them in these kind of little shoals or I don't know what you call those. I just made that up. I guess that's the term. I have no idea. You know, uh, they, get, <laughs> they get them, I like it. you know, and I love the way that in a, in a terrible way, I loved how they portrayed this. They've got all this really kind of like eerie, sad music going on when they're circling them up. And then all of a sudden no music at all. And 50 to probably 50 to a hundred people. You think they run down into the water right where the whales have been rounded up and they've got spears, and they literally just start killing all of these whales with their bare hands. And I mean, like, brutality. The, by the end, it is just, the water is blood red. It was redder than, it was, it was. It's not crimson. Like, our, uh, our you know, no, we, we, have, we have darker no. red blood, right? Like It was like a cherry red, red, and I'm telling you, yeah. all all around. I mean, everywhere. It was all over their faces, and it was just the brutality of seeing this many humans just slaughter. I mean, slaughter. It was, I told you the one family brought their kid down Mm -hmm. and it was, you know, in different cultures, people do different things a different way. And there's a counter argument to, to what we're seeing as, as a really difficult barbaric thing. Um, but it was really hard to watch. You know, it's not a net, it's not a, a hook. It's not on some distant boat that we never have to see. It was like these people were stabbing these living creatures and killing them and just cut them open right there in the water. It was 
oh, it was rough. It was rough to watch. So this, this kind of brings us all the way back to the question of well, what do you do? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, their, their response, their answer was to stop eating fish, which I don't know if that is necessarily the full on answer. Have I thought about eating less fish? I mean, I don't eat a whole lot of fish right now as it is, but, uh, I don't know. What were your thoughts on that? I think that, I think their overall thing was just to, if we stop, if the consumer stops eating fish, then, uh, the, then the industry will dry up and stop. But that was, I mean, that was their biggest one. Right. But there was a, there was a three part, I think, answer towards the end. Uh, and, and you know, everybody who has listened to us knows where I generally like to go with things with regulations and, and trying to do different things. But, you know, there are over there are hundreds of regulations to try to mitigate some of these things that are already, you know, in practice and going on day to day. But as I mentioned earlier, there are 4.6 million fishing vessels on the ocean at any given time. So they're pretty much can't be done. I mean, it's just it's too much, too vast of a, of uh, a surface to really be able to fully regulate and control. Right. So then the next is, well, how much could we? Okay, so a lot of the, uh, like the, the guy from the EU, he talked about, he goes, well, there's 5%, 5% of the world's waters are regulated. Okay, well, what does that really mean? Well, can they fish? Yes, they can still fish. Can they drill for oil there? Well, yeah. So what is it regulated against? Well, sea kayaking, right? It's like that has nothing to do with yeah, anything. That, well, that, wasn't so, a, that wasn't a good look. When they, that when has they nothing to do yeah. with anything yeah. about regulating 5%. So nothing. Nothing is being regulated, right? So they said if we could get to 30% of the water being regulated to allow for the other 70 to still be fished and still be whatever, it's at least something. It's not you know 100% ideal, but it's at least something. I mean, obviously, that industry is there for a reason. We've eaten fish for forever. I get it, all right? But so they had no-take zones was kind of their first deal, which would kind of fall into that 30% of, hey, no fishing, no drilling, leave this, th- these areas are to be left alone. Ooh, this, right? was a, this was an interesting point. I can build on that real two seconds. They actually talked about that big oil spill and they said that yeah. the, the deep images, water yeah, deep water horizon, they said the images that we saw were shocking and there was this big stigma that this was this terrible thing, which it was, and it killed a lot of wildlife. But they said as a result, they had to close down, I think 20% fishing. of the, in that in that yeah. that massive area, which I think they said was like twenty percent or something, I can't remember. That. I'm going to get that wrong. For three months, for three months, they had to stop fishing in those big old areas because everything was tainted and there was oil and everything. And they said it actually helped those areas regrow their populations because of the overfishing that had been done. So, in a weird way, the animals that died off were so much fewer than what actually revi- was revived by just stopping fishing. You know, insane, crazy. Insane. What? What? Uh, so that, right? And then they go into the subsidizing of the industrial fishing uh, industry. And you know, globally, I think they said it's about $30 billion in subsidies are given to fishing companies. And they said it's like or it's either 35 or 30 And then $30 billion, uh, was a study done by the World Health Organization that said it could end worldwide hunger. So if you, if you think of it that way, you take away the subsidies that you're giving people to get food to help people who are, and then there's no more hungry. I, I mean, hello. Uh, all right. So if you, you did that, take away their money, their tax breaks and everything else that they get, you know, to fish, uh, you know, to keep prices low and all that kind of stuff. Cause maybe that would change the supply and demand curves quite a bit, you know, just from that level. 
Uh, and then you could eat fish because you'd have to pay quite a bit for it. And hey, guess what? It's a delicacy. You do you. That's fine. No big deal. And then, yeah, the last thing was, was kind of big don't eat fish uh, type deal. So this is where I wanted to go with this because I have in the past watched those you know documentaries and different things about food and how it's made and all that kind of stuff. And honestly, was very ignorant to the processes behind it. I wouldn't consider myself like an animal activist or any of those kind of things. But here's what I, here, I have done this before. I'm not doing it currently, but I did do it before. Uh, after seeing one of those things, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to eat meat. I was done. I didn't eat meat. I was like, I, I, but I'll still eat fish. So I'll still be pescat. I'll be a pescatarian. And I was pescatarian probably six, seven, eight months around there. Like, and I was like, all right, well, this was a good run. <laughs> and then I went back to bacon because it's bacon. Um, but this one's having me rethink even that because the, you know, the, the stigma is that, okay, if you don't eat meat, you don't eat meat. And that's, you know, hey, that's, that's great. Uh, fish though, it's not as bad, right? Like fishing is fine. This is kind of almost leveled. It's like, so what can you eat at this point? At what point do you just say, you know, what's not done illegally or, you know, crazy. That's really going to hurt me in the long run. Like what's, what's done fairly. What's, you know, what are we doing? How, how can we eat anything? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I, I mean, it's a hard thing to ask, and it also makes you think, what can we do about it? And I, unfortunately, the answer is not a whole lot individually. It's going to take a collective of like-minded people or a movement of some sort. I mean, here's the deal. I like meat. I'm going to continue to eat meat. I would like to continue to eat fish. Now, do I, I don't want any of these other negative things to happen. I don't, the whole bycatch thing was insane. The pollution is bad. You know, the fish farms are disgusting. I don't want to eat that. I don't want to eat it at that cost for those things. So my thought is we got to find some way to, if we're going to do it, either do it with moderation you know, maybe, maybe we cut back or, you know, we got, we got to find some way to do it better. That that's kind of what I'm getting at. Cause right now it, this seem, again, seems like a human problem. We're, we're greedy. We want, we want more, we want too much. We want to, you know, it's an industry. It just seems like greed and it's at the expense of animal life as well as kind of, I mean, what could be very much our, our, uh, being down the road. What'd they say? That could be empty, Empty oceans. 2048. Yeah, 2048. It was like if we continue this on the curve that we're on as far as fishing goes, you know, the main species of fish that we fish, if we don't pause or or slow down or stop, if we keep on incrementally going up, they said as early as 2048, we could not have those species in the ocean, which is like, well, then nobody has it. You know what I'm saying? So... I don't know. It was just very, it was very, very thought provoking. I don't know. Uh, I don't I have no, I haven't really thought about what I will do in response. I definitely wanted to just talk it out first, which is what we've been doing for the last, uh, you know, 45 minutes. <laughs> so. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't mind cause I, I, you know, I, from a nutritional perspective, you know, you think about the omega three fatty acids, right. They that, went into that, that too. Talked about this. Yeah. Right. And that really comes more from the algae, not so much from the fish itself. So it's like, what nutritional advantages do fish really bring you? There's, there's not a ton uh, in all actuality. 
uh, maybe prevents you from eating something that's more unhealthy, right. I guess. Uh, you know, so I don't know if that's that's it or not. Uh, it's it's interesting. Uh, I mean, I think it's something that definitely needs more attention and it needs to basically be flipped on its head from how it's being approached. Um, you know, plastics being a, an issue. Yeah, I yes, plastics are an issue. But when you compare it, uh, the priority to plastics to fishing really kind of gets flipped on its head. Uh, that's kind of what I took away as well was when I said we got to be better. It's like you can do this, but just do it in moderation. Just be better. I say that a lot. I love that statement, but just be better. So if that is just, I mean, yeah, if you've got one of the leading people, one of the leading organizations talking about plastic in the oceans and they're not talking about industrial fishing and its impact on it, if it's that big of an impact, that is a problem. That's a problem. So maybe we start there, you know, just, a lot of the a lot of the stats they threw out was pretty wild. That it feels like we're we're being put in the dark intentionally to protect this this industry. Um, yeah, you know, and it's it's sad. Um, but I will also say the other thing um, that I would like to do that I don't think we either one of us did with this. We also are taking this for a lot of face value. Oh, I was just about to say that's a great point. And, Great point. You know, I'm not saying it's not. I'm not saying it's not all correct. I'm not saying I'm not saying anything. I don't. But uh, you know, just like just like we were talking about with every other media thing, this can be twisted and contorted to to show one side. I can make numbers say anything I want them to say. Right. That's why I have gotten to where I am in, in my company. Yeah. All right. So it's you know it's how much is it that that you really want to go down and really want to say is an issue or, or, or would be it. Now, I think it's an issue. If, I, if I'm just kind of going off of a gut feel, I, I do think it's an issue. Uh, to, to the degree, I don't know. And I think that is kind of taken away from my degree of response to your point. It, it's tough to know. It's t- I mean, again, you're right. We watched a 90-minute thing. I mean, it could that could have been spun or paid for by some person or something thing that has the intention of, you know, going against these companies. I, I don't know. Um, I do think it's one of those kind of like with the Q thing, you know, maybe we should start listening to the people that have to be fact-checked, you know, maybe we should listen to the actual scientists. Cause they talked about in Q about it being boring. Nobody was listening to the CDC cause it's just boring, you know? And, uh, in this kind of situation, I, I, I lean on the experts. I, I hope, you know, I don't know. That's what you would hope, but I, you know it's definitely something that deserves the attention, right? Just a just a couple of things to round this out, just because it, it is important. It is something that I think everyone should do some research. Everyone should do something to whatever you're able to do. Um, you know, eighty percent of all life on Earth is found in oceans. The oceans produce eighty five percent of all of our oxygen. And as we mentioned already, 93% of all carbon emissions are captured and handled through the ocean water. So if that doesn't tell you how kind of important ocean life is for us, nothing will.
as a reminder, you can interact with us on Twitter at talking underscore B underscore S. And you can, of course, find us on all major podcasting platforms, including Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify Podcasts. This has been another episode of Talkin' BS.